Uncertainty and confusion over Putin's authority now front and center following this weekend of rebellion in Russia. I think Putin had one of his worst weekends ever. This act one of a five act plan, is there more to come? The future of Wagner Group and its mercenary leader, Yevgeny Prigozhin, remains murky following the armed mutiny against the Russian state. Until recently, Russia denied the existence of Wagner. There was an incentive to not make the footprint of the organization too big, but over time that sort of went out of the window. The Wagner Group's activity isn't limited to war-torn Ukraine. These are mercenaries, and uh, you know, they, they sell their services to people who are willing and able to pay them. So the big countries where they're operating today are Mali and Central African Republic. They also operate in uh, Libya and Sudan, but those are kind of smaller de deployments. Securing access to lucrative resources appear to be a key motivator of Wagner Group business operations. They're in diamonds, gold, forestry, coffee, and alcohol, and probably other sectors that we don't know about yet. If we're talking about Syria, there was certainly other business-related things, such as agreements to liberate oil fields, quote-unquote, in exchange for revenue cuts. Once the war in Ukraine reached a new stage with the full-on invasion by Russia in 2022, Vladimir Putin's failure to rapidly take over the country led to a need for more troops. He tried to outsource a lot of the burden of fighting the war to Wagner. But heavy losses led to a drop in recruiting standards. What was once an organization made up of former Russian military members started to take on more employees without a military background, including convicts. Heavy fighting continued to take its toll, and Wagner's leader bemoaned the lack of support from the Russian state on the front lines in Ukraine. The military increasingly saw the Wagner group of mercenaries as a threat. Questions remain if Wagner started the armed mutiny as a way to force a contract negotiation with the Kremlin, or if this was a desperate ploy by Prigozhin to stay relevant in the world of Russian power politics. But whatever happens next could have big implications for Vladimir Putin and the Kremlin. How did it get to this point? Months of tension between the head of Wagner, Yevgeny Prigozhin, and the Russian military came to a head in late June. A private Russian military organization is accusing the Russian military of launching strikes on its training camps and killing troops. After marching on Rostov-on-Don, he sent an armed convoy towards Moscow. That caused Russian President Vladimir Putin to declare an armed mutiny was underway in a video statement. The mercenary force ended its rebellion after the leader of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, brokered a deal with Yevgeny Prigozhin. The details of this deal and the long-term effects remain unknown. Over the longer term, uh, I think that uh, this probably has done some damage to Putin politically. And the murky missions Wagner is involved in across the globe are likely another factor in this brokered deal. These operations bring in huge sums of money. It's, it's in the millions and billions of dollars, definitely moving towards the billions. The issue is that it's it's very hard to kind of kind of get an exact idea just because of the illicit channels that that Wagner is using in order to export things. And also the number, the sheer number of shell companies that they use, because not only are do do they change their names in the businesses that they're running, but all of the companies that they then export out of also have shell names and then they use a variety of middle traders. A camp has been reportedly laid out in Belarus, which could end up housing Wagner members who are not absorbed into the Russian military. But what comes next for the group and its leaders has yet to play out. Private military companies are nothing new. Governments have hired mercenaries throughout history to provide security, guard elites, and fight in wars. During the global war on terror, the U.S. used private military companies and security contractors extensively. Blackwater was 
sent in to fulfill specialist functions. It wasn't set in to just become a force multiplier. You know, yes, to some degree, Russia was imitating a phenomenon that it first saw in the West. It did so in a, in a highly distorted, much more disorganized, much more unscrupulous way. How Wagner operates in countries such as the Central African Republic are what sets it apart from other modern PMCs. Wagner Group will get involved in these countries at the same time that the Russian state is involved in um, large kind of military assistance um, programs. Often they kind of get into these side operations that are more um, building their own business, so basically a lot of resource extraction um, projects, which is often how they finance themselves or how they um, kind of make economic agreements with the, with the state in order to stay in these countries. Having an organization that isn't officially under Russian government control has opened doors to agreements that otherwise would likely remain closed. Uh, the resources that they generally go out after are precious metals. Um, that's, that's the biggest one because it's relatively easy to export and re relatively easy to smuggle. We can surmise that a lot of it is in fact going back to the Russian state. So in that way, it's, it's helping the Russian state at a time where their precious metal reserves are incredibly low. The core of Wagner's troops included the battle-hardened personnel who gained their expertise by serving in the Russian military. As the war in Ukraine wore on, Wagner losses began to mount, and the group was forced to turn to convicts to bolster numbers. Meanwhile, Vladimir Putin found himself with a manpower shortage in the regular Russian military. He did not want to impose martial law, he did not want to impose a widespread conscription on the Russian people, so he tried to uh, wage this war on the cheap, so to speak. The combination of well-trained soldiers and convicts with nothing to lose created an organization that at times was effective on the battlefield. But high losses in a new strategy by Russia changed the dynamic for Wagner. Late last summer, early last fall, was Putin bit the bullet, so to speak, and imposed a partial conscription. This new wave of mobilization and a change to Russian strategy made Wagner less critical to Putin's war in Ukraine. And I think that's part of the reason why the regular Russian military finally said to Wagner, okay, enough, your fighters are going to have to sign contracts with us. Uh, because they, they weren't as dependent on Wagner today as, as they were a year ago. Wagner's mutiny may stand out as a warning to other countries that outsource warfighting to private companies. But it's also possible that Wagner emerges from this critical juncture in an entirely new position than before. One of the challenges that the Russian government has is that you don't build up an organization like Wagner overnight. So if they do plan to liquidate the whole organization, which I'm skeptical of, it would be a very costly, cumbersome process that I'm not sure the Russian state wants to take on right now. As for Prigozhin and uh, his senior commanders, my guess is no, they are not willing to be subordinate to the regular Russian military. There's no love between them and uh, the Russian high command. There's a great deal of, of animosity. Whatever happens to Wagner, it's unlikely that there will be a decrease in demand for mercenaries around the globe. You're going to have a scenario where you see a lot more of these groups popping up that look like Wagner. They could be state-sponsored, they could not be. But sort of the expansion of, of the, the mercenary phenomenon um, on the African continent could be very problem problematic because they tend to commit a lot of human rights violations. As immune as Vladimir Putin has seemed during his time in power, it's possible this armed mutiny could create cracks in the facade. Putin is scheduled to face a presidential election in March of 2024. That's only a few months from now. And I'm relatively certain that at least some Russian elites are wondering whether he is the horse to back in that 
uh, election campaign or not. I think a lot of this is going to depend on what happens in the battlefield. 